listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Jeremy Shear. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a digital content agency that helps you create a month's worth of premium content in just 60 minutes. So thought leadership and content marketing are often sort of lumped into the same category, but they're not exactly the same thing. You might say that thought leadership is a type of content marketing. It's certainly a type of content, but it's a very particular type. And producing it at a high level requires a particular set of skills, just like Liam Neeson in the movie Taken. So to help us unpack the concept of thought leadership and what it takes to produce really good thought leadership content, my guest is Bob Bidet. Bob is founder and CEO at Bidet Thought Leadership Partners and author of the book Competing on Thought Leadership, How Great B2B Companies Turn Expertise into Revenue, and co-host of the podcast, Everything Thought Leadership. Bob, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Jeremy. So I think it's accurate to say that you are a thought leader when it comes to thought leadership. Well, you know, I hesitate to call myself that. And I think thought leadership is a designation that you get if others deem you as such, as opposed to one that you proclaim. Okay, well, fa- fair enough. And I guess that that's the best way to right, to become a thought leader, not just to claim that you are, yeah. but to earn the respect of people who look at you as a thought leader. Right. I've been told by a number of people that, Bob, you know, you are a thought leader on thought leadership and thought leadership marketing. And uh, yeah. thank you very much. And then I leave it at that. But uh, Yeah, well, hey, I mean, you wrote a book on it. So right. that, yeah. that says a lot. But so let's let's get right into this. So when we spoke a few weeks ago, you told me something very interesting and you kind of corrected me a little bit in a, in a useful way. And you said that creating great thought leadership content is not about writing well. It's not really about that. It's about crafting an argument. So let's start right there and unpack that. What do you mean by that? Sure. So what I mean by that is the most important skill in creating great content. Once an expert or he or she and his colleagues say, I want to sit down with you. I want you to write us a white paper or write a research report or help us put together a conference presentation. The most important skill for someone who's helping those experts to get their ideas, which are often not codified, it's in their heads, but they've never really articulated it well on paper. They've articulated it in conference presentations, but the most important skill is what I call argument development or narrative development, which is making a persuasive argument about some problem in the world, some complex problem in the world, and a better way to solve it, a superior way to solve it. That's the argument portion of thought leadership content. And the best way we have found to help a bunch of experts make a great argument, a persuasive argument, is to have them articulate their views and to push their thinking, not just write them down, but push their thinking in a structured way. And we have a structured outline that starts with the problem in the world that you're focused on, why existing solutions fall short in solving it, what the new and better solution is, how it works, what are examples of companies that have done it this way, and what did they get? What kind of ROI did they get? What are the uh, ways to uh, overcome the key barriers to implementing your new and better solution and how do you overcome those those barriers and then why move now? 
So that's about, that's the work of creating an argument, which we think is made most effectively and most efficiently in an outline. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about prose writing skills here yet. I'm not. Mm -hmm. Second skill is about prose writing skills. So that's about helping the experts. Once you've helped them get down on paper, what is their argument they're trying to make? Helping them bring uh, forth the evidence that they have in the case of research statistics or client examples or other best practice examples that are not their clients. Once you've helped them get all this evidence and help them make a rigorous argument, then the next step is for somebody to write the prose, to follow this very detailed outline. It's almost like paint by numbers, okay? Now, prose writing is a different skill, and it is an important skill. I'm, I don't mean to diminish the skill of prose writing, but I know a lot of very good prose writers out there. They're typically professional writers who are not very strong at creating arguments, helping really smart people create arguments. And conversely, I know a lot of very talented people who can help a bunch of people create a persuasive argument, but who can't write very well. And I know a lot of experts who want to be known as thought leaders who can create a, a, a strong argument, but who can't write worth a damn, you know, who don't have the skills of writing at the level of a really good professional writer. And yeah. so when people can conflate these skills as being resident in the same person, and sometimes they are, but usually they are not, okay? Mm -hmm. When they conflate those skills, oh, the argument development skills over here and the writing skills over here, well, you know, aren't they the same thing? And I would argue they are not. And so what often happens with companies and the people they have worked with, their experts who want to become thought leaders, is they get ghosts okay, who sit down with the experts and just simply jot down what the experts say and give them a, a draft in whatever, a couple of days or a week and say, and, and a well-written, often a well-written draft. Say, here's what you guys said, right? The experts look at this and they say, well, yeah, you did capture what we said, but you know what? We need to take more time on this because mm. this point is unclear and this is an assertion we don't have enough evidence to make. And so we need to find some evidence to make this assertion. And so what happens, and this is the wrong thing to do, the wrong way to develop thought-leading content, is to use the prose writing process to drive the thinking. And that's mm. a terribly inefficient way to help a bunch of very smart people to develop their argument. Much better is to keep the argument in this structured outline form, okay? And only to all sides, the writer, the subject experts agree, and they look at this detailed outline with all the evidence right there to support every otherwise arguable assertion until everybody signs off on the deep outline. Nobody should write prose against that outline because mm. the argument's not really rigorous, doesn't have enough evidence, nothing new, etc. You will be in going to prose, you will be in version hell. <laughs> And version eight and version 10 and both sides, mm. the ghostwriter and the experts are looking at this and saying, this is a really good read, but it's not persuasive. And, and you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, that the problem with just keeping writing more drafts is that you'll read it and be like, we know it's not persuasive, but we can't figure out exactly why or like where the gap is because 
why why because like you're too caught up in this in the sentence level writing of the thing you need to step back and go back to that outline and just be more objective is that why well you need to be more objective i would argue and look at certain criteria that we think represent great thought leadership content so one is novelty do you have a very different solution to the problem at hand or is your solution the same as four of your competitors are just incrementally different you know, or you put a new label over the same thing somebody else said, that's not a novel solution, right? And so an audience doesn't read, you know, there's so many things they could be reading. They don't want to read something else that somebody else said, essentially the same solution. So so novelty, a truly different solution is important. Evidence that that supposedly better solution really works, you have to have evidence, Okay, so we did a survey of senior executives who read thought leadership content in making key purchasing decisions. What law firms to use, what consulting firms to use, what tech companies, software to use, what IT services firms to use. And we said, could you rank uh, these nine criteria of thought leadership content, novelty, relevance, depth, rigor, et cetera, which of these are most important? Rank them, okay? And evidence, proof, in the form of real case examples, companies that did it this way and got benefits, they said proof was by far the most important develop of thought leadership. Now, you can read a whole bunch of white papers out there, and I bet you most of them don't have the proof. Most of them don't have companies name by name that did it the way that the authors are proposing you should solve the problem and that the companies got substantial benefits quantified in terms of cost decreases, revenue increases, quality increases, cycle time reduction, customer satisfaction increases, employee satisfaction, whatever the topic is, right? So, you know, your question, well, how can we, I guess the way I read it is, how can we objectively, a bunch of authors and the people who are helping them get their, their expertise on paper, how can they objectively assess what has been written? I would say these yeah. nine criteria. One of the most important one of which mm. is evidence. Do we have real examples of companies that are doing what we say they should do, especially clients? Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then there's a good chance your audience, your target audience, is not going to put a lot of stock in what you say. So that seems pretty straightforward. I would even say kind of simple, but so it's like a simple thing, but hard to do. Very hard to do. Very hard to do. And what I mean, it's like, it's simple. It's like either you have the evidence or you don't. You can't fake it. You can try, but you know, that's cheating or people will know. Either you have the evidence or you don't. And that basically makes all the difference as you're saying it. It does. I mean, we can all do Google searches on just about any business topic. Yeah. How to increase customer satisfaction, how to increase employee loyalty, how to do digital strategy. Every topic, we can do Google searches and come up with dozens of pieces of content, right? Any topic, generative AI, how to use generative AI in business. That's the latest topic. The the number of pieces of content that have the evidence in the form of companies that have been identified by name and and did it the, the way that the authors are prescribing and had big benefits, quantified benefits to show for it, very rare. That separates the best content from the worst. And executives, the people we hope will take action on all this content, they know that. Mm. They're sophisticated people. They're in high-powered jobs. They don't like being guinea pigs on new ways to do anything. Guinea pigs of, well, 
has anyone actually done this, what these authors are saying? Sounds interesting, but do they have any evidence that this has actually benefited any company? Most executives are not gamblers. Right. And they're talking about making decisions based on this, some like so-called thought leadership that it could be expensive. Just big decisions cost a lot of money. And so you better have the receipts to back it up is what I'm hearing you saying. It can cost companies competitive advantages and it can cost the people who brought these folks in their jobs. Yeah. Careers. Right. People ask, Bob, you know, what is the secret of thought leadership? Well, there are a bunch of things. But if you don't have the evidence, then you have at the mm. end of the day, you have a bunch of theory that hasn't been proven. And it may be yeah. maybe that's an enjoyable read, but it's still theory. Without the proof, it's theory. Okay. And it's kind of as simple as that, like we said, but hard to do. Like getting evidence takes a lot of legwork and digging and, and so on. So let me go back to something else you said for a second, because you, you sort of articulated a hierarchy, right? And at the top of the hierarchy is the outline where you arrange your evidence, right? You kind of identify what the evidence is, arrange it, get everything in its place. And then, and only then, does the writing come in? That's right? Right. And you might even say, if you have the, a really detailed outline, then it almost writes itself, right? Then you're really yeah. just sort of articulating what's already in the outline. I want to push back on that a little bit, not, not to challenge the basic concept, because I really, I, I think that's right. But when it does come to the writing, you know, you can have the best evidence in the world, right? The greatest structure. But if the writing isn't very clear, if it's not compelling, you can undermine the power of the argument, right? Yes. People don't understand what you're talking about. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, so I'm not, saying, I'm not saying the ability to write clearly or to, you know, clear communication. I'm not saying that that's not important. It is. But yeah. that comes after the ability to make a highly persuasive argument, which is a different skill, I would argue, than the ability to convey that argument in prose that is a yeah. clear and so mm-hmm. I found you have to tease out these two things, okay? that these are two sets of skills sometimes found in the same person, but yeah. usually not. Okay, right. And so, and that speaks to kind of a team building thing, right? Like if you want to put a team together to create good thought leadership content, you're saying don't assume just a writer could all alone could necessarily do it. As you said before, they might be an awesome sentence level writer, but not great at structuring an argument necessarily. And you absolutely need that. I found that in some stuff that I'm writing, I don't know if I want to call it thought leadership, let's say, but like I'm trying to make some kind of case. And in, in the best cases, I even have some evidence to marshal. I find that in the process of writing does help me on some level discover what I want to say. Yes. You know, that there's something about getting it out of your mind and writing it down that can sometimes even change. It doesn't change the evidence. The evidence, that's just facts, right? They don't change ideally. Right. But it's more like how I put the pieces of evidence together to tell a coherent story. At least for me, even with a good outline, sometimes as I'm writing, I'm like, oh, actually it would be better to do it this way. You know what I mean? Do you agree with that? I do. I mean, the process of writing, of writing prose, can help you push your thinking, can can help you see flaws in your thinking. Oh, well, actually, what this really is about is not about that. It's about this. 
Yeah. The problem is when a writer is working with a bunch of experts who the experts have day jobs, they have to sell work, they have to del deliver work. Okay? They don't have a lot of patience for a lot of iterations of a draft. And so yeah. you have to use their time as economically and as efficiently as possible. And the way to minimize the amount of time on their part in going through draft after draft after draft of prose is to keep the argument not in prose in an outline until yeah. all sides have agreed, yeah, well, this is pretty rigorous. We have a really good idea of what we want to say. We have all the evidence in place. Now let's go to prose. And that doesn't say all the thinking is done once, once the prose is there. But the, the thinking that's left to do, I would say, is incremental. It's some things yeah. that, yeah, okay, we can sharpen this idea a little bit, but the idea is fundamentally. And with the prose, we can look for analogies. We can use chat GPT to find analogies, by the way. Yeah. That would, you know, really help make the prose sing. But that's, but that's not the same thing as saying we need to develop this key point a lot more. Yeah. The problem with experts is when they're, you know, it's multiple drafts and it, for some reason mm. they're still not happy with it. They can give up. They can say, mm. this is not a waste of our time. Right. Okay. So, so this seems like good practical advice. Let's say if you're a marketer or like a, like a freelancer, let's say, or just someone who sells services, I'll help you create thought leadership content, right? You obviously don't want to get to the point where they're just like, this isn't working. We don't know why. We're just not going to do it anymore. We just cannot read another draft of this. We don't Correct. have time. We're bored. Correct. So like just for self-preservation, right? If yes. you're someone who does this, keep that in mind. And you're saying, here's a practical way to do this that just takes less time on average. Takes less time and winds up with less frustration all around. And so another yeah. reason, by the way, another thing that can lead to the draft after draft of pros is when actually the subject experts on a white paper, research report, that they don't totally agree of what the point of view is, okay? Mm, and yeah. so the differences in their views can show up in the prose. Well, then again, mm -hmm. we're into draft after draft. Joe says, no, this is not this is not the key point. And Mary says, no, that is the key point. And so, it's, so prose is a terrible process for getting a bunch of really smart people on the same page about a certain topic. Very inefficient. And it, it, yeah. it creates frustrations all around, especially for the poor ghostwriter who is thinking, I'm writing this well, but they're changing their minds about what it is they want to say. And I'm on draft nine and I'm sick of it. Yeah. And, and you're saying that, and really it goes back to, there was just some basic misalignment right from the start, what you're basically trying to say in no number, no amount of, unless you had fixed that, no, you can write a hundred drafts. It won't matter. Yes. Francis Ford Coppola, Godfather director, he was once asked, what's the secret to making a great movie? And he said, well, the secret to making a great movie is to make sure everybody on the set is making the same movie. Same principle applies here. The secret to thought leadership success, once you have a bunch of people who are, in fact, experts in their field, okay, and maybe haven't had that expertise codified in the form of yeah. anything from blog posts to books, the secret to success, uh, a secret to success is making sure they're all making the same movie right? and writing prose, draft after prose is not a very efficient way of making the same movie. Right. I guess you could write 800 versions of the script, but unless 
everyone's aligned and like spiritually connected and in agreement on like, what the hell are we actually doing? It's just not going to come together the way that you want it to. Correct. Or are you going to have the actors act out the script, uh, a poorly developed script, right? And, and, you know, keep doing shot after shot and realize three quarters of the way through the, the, the shooting of the movie, this is a terrible movie. Right. <laughs> this is a really right. terrible movie. Because our storyline, our narrative, our argument has not been developed well. Yeah, and sometimes you watch movies and it's like, these different characters and actors almost seem like they're in different movies. Like it doesn't hold together. It doesn't really make logical sense in the universe of that movie, right? And there's like, that's an interesting way of thinking about it, that they're not, they're just not on the same page probably right from the get-go. They're not making the same movie, right? And this yeah. is where the director, Francis Ford Coppola in this, in yeah. this you know, instance, he has that mind. Everybody on the set has to be making the same movie unless they convince me otherwise that I need to change this dialogue that this so-and-so is having with him or her. Yeah. Director, it's the directors, and I'd say the plot leadership equivalent, it's the person who's working with these very smart people. It's that person, ghostwriter, idea developer, argument developer, whatever you want to call this person. It's up to that person to make sure they're all making the same movie because they often won't do it themselves. That's a great point. And so, and, and that goes back to what you were saying. Like, there's a reason why there's usually for the movie a director and a writer. Coppola was, he was very brilliant and he was both, but yep. he worked with Mario Puzo on The Godfather, you know? And right, there, it's a very particular skill to kind of help people craft an argument, especially when it's not just one person, but a group of people. And be that person who's getting, allowing everyone to kind of have their say, but then amalgamating it all into a coherent whole that everyone is good with and that actually makes sense. Yeah. That, that's a very particular type of thing to do, for it sure. Yeah. A, weak, a weak director with a bunch of people with very strong egos and successes behind them who don't need yeah. this movie, right? They can walk off the set because they got four other movies that would love yeah. to hire them. A weak director who can't manage the egos and can't keep the storyline in his or her head. What makes a good storyline? Those are the movies that we see that flop. Yeah. Same thing goes on in thought leadership. You're dealing with some of the smartest people around on on a given topic, and they all have strong opinions about why they think the way they do. Yeah. For sure. I, I love this movie analogy. Well, Bob, this has been a really, really good discussion. How can people reach you? What's the best way to connect? Two ways. Go to the website. It's udaytlp.com or look for me on LinkedIn and connect with me on LinkedIn. I post a lot on LinkedIn and on our website, we have a ton of content and including a link to the book, which is, you could look at that. That's the, the highlights of my expertise gathered over the last 36 years, all in one book. Absolutely. Well, I have the book. I've started to read it. And indeed, it's a, it's a deep dive into thought leadership. And so listeners, if you're into thought leadership, you've got to check out the book. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. We'll put a link to uh, your company and to your LinkedIn. So Bob, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge and insights. Really great discussion. Yeah, my pleasure, Jeremy. Likewise, I enjoyed it. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. 
If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.